You guys are about to meet a truly inspirational Aussie couple, Jake and Ange. These guys couldn't be more down to earth, especially given how epic their achievements are. These accomplished artists have chosen the road less travelled in life, literally, packing themselves and their two little girls up to travel the country and document some of its incredible rural stories and history through their art. As you'll hear though, it's not just capturing history that's inspired this adventure. It's all about the type of life they want for themselves and their kids. Their vision is clear, and in their own words, that's how they always achieve the big dreams they go for. So get comfy, and let's kick this wisdom-filled conversation off with Jake and Ange. Hey, we're Kim and Rog, and we're here to show couples how to get the best out of their relationship so they can start living their dream life together. We're a West Aussie couple who are living the life of our dreams. We don't entertain the word should, we think about the future as a field of possibilities, and we let joy be our compass. We've taken the simple idea of working as a team and applied it to our marriage, and it's been a game changer, allowing us to work out what truly lights us up in life and to go after it together. From living in snowy Japan to starting our own house flipping business, we've achieved some big dreams. And most importantly, we feel fulfilled and are having the most fun we've ever had. Hear conversations from inspiring couples, thoughts from relationship experts, and tales from our own lives, as we help you to gain the wisdom and skills you'll need to turn your relationship into a real team. These are relationship conversations for real people, by real people. So sit back, get comfortable, whatever tickles you pickle, and enjoy living the team life. How did you guys meet? Oh, do you want to start or do you want me to? Uh, yeah. So the, uh, yeah, basically I had um, a friend who randomly invited me to her friend's exhibition, which was Ange. So Ange was doing a photography exhibition based on uh, going around Australia. And I, um, I looked at it, couldn't, you know, realize I couldn't make the exhibition, but she caught my eye. On Facebook, I actually stalked her out. I was like, who is this and why are you friends with this person? And I spent, yeah, a bit of time trying to work it out, who who she was. Probably like similar friend groups, but, um, yeah, that's kind of as far as it went. And then four months later, um, I was at the pub with a a friend and so was Ange. She actually rocked up with another friend of mine and then straight away I was like, oh, you're the one... I've been stalking <laughs> for four months. <laughs> I know a lot about you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know who you are. I was like, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was pretty crazy. I was just like, oh, he's a bit of all right. Oh my <laughs> god, I love that. So yeah, we we started talking, and um, Jake had had was drawing on helmets at that stage, and had started progressing into um, doing paintings. So we were kind of like talking about exhibitions the whole time, weren't we? For a good like four hours. And then the other people that were with us were like, we're getting out of here. You guys are boring. (laughs) We're not getting a word in. So we're like, blah, 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 blah. Exhibition, exhibition. And yeah, the rest is history, really. (laughs) Was Was that first conversation just super easy? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really funny. Uh, we had that first conversation and then we basically caught up for a date the next afternoon and literally haven't really spent a day apart since. Well, it was actually funny because you dropped me home. Yeah. And then I went to bed and I woke up and it was like 6.30 and I had a message from you. I was like, people don't call me back the next day ever. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy's a bit, bit interesting. And it was 6.30 in the morning. I was like, 
yeah, most people don't know, don't get up that early too. I was like, yeah, this is interesting. So yeah, isn't that interesting how the rules go out the window when you're really interested in someone? Like we put all yeah. of those social norms and constructs up. Like oh, I won't contact them before, like especially not before six thirty. You know, yeah, that yeah. could look yeah. really creepy. But <laughs> super keen, <laughs> but. But when you really like someone, you get that sense and it's a common thread that we're hearing from other couples is that sense straight away, you know what, I'm safe to do that. I, they're yeah. they're going to be okay with that because yeah. I can feel that there's something there and, and it's just going to be accepted. It's not going to be judged in any sort of weird way and, in fact, I don't even have to worry about that. Yeah, and I think it was easier back in the day. Like We've been together for probably over 10 years now. But back in the day, it was you've got nothing really to lose. You're young and you're like, oh, what, well, you know, this person didn't work out. Oh, on to the next one. <laughs> just like, you, know, you, you didn't really. There's no online receipts. Yeah, there's no, yeah. <laughs> There's no online receipts, as Jake would say. Yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, so what, what do you think it was, you know, I guess the easy answer would be that, you know, you're both artists in your own right and you bonded over that. But was there anything else uh, was there a, that spark between you, you know, in that four hours of conversation, you know, and Kim talked about the safety then, uh, being able to hold the space with each other. What was it about each other that attracted you? Well, yeah, I think it was really funny because I we had this really old farm, like down in Quindanning, and it's like a old busted up house and there's mice everywhere and flies and it's really sometimes can get really hot or really cold. And I like to take people down there as a little test, <laughs> see how they go. And, um, yeah, Jake passed the test with flying colours. He didn't mind eating with flies around him. And I think I even jumped in the water tank to clean it. For something. <laughs> it, it, it was. I, I, wasn't too, I wasn't too impressed with his wood chopping abilities back then. But, uh, he you can grow out. those skills, right, Anne? You're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. a grower. That's fine. <laughs> I can't grow them. My dad certainly could. <laughs> and, um, and then the next test was I took him down to the surf club and I was pretty fit back then. I was doing a lot of training and I took him to the, like the hardest workout that the surf club had to offer. And he did it and passed the next test. And so. I think I lived a ciggy beforehand as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll smoke this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoke you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a little yeah, bit yeah. of competitiveness early on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like took him, you know, to all of my friends and, you know, we've got some really weird friends spread between us and he'd just get along with everyone. So it was just perfect. It was easy and it was fun and, yeah, we just – so young you kind of like grow together as well you might be a bit different back then but you're so influential and um malleable back then i guess so you kind of yeah grow into a couple together which i think has been really cool what about you jake were you also testing Ange? <laughs> yeah just whether you'd run off <laughs> <laughs> just a slightly lower bar <laughs> yeah sticking around um well, I don't know. I think I was I was literally working on a wharf, and I was pretty much surrounded by degenerates. Not not wharfies were, but you know, I was just I wasn't really doing much with myself. I was painting on helmets, and then Anne just she just seemed like she was kind of from I don't know, almost another planet. Just like had her stuff together, was doing. Um, she was actually living her passion, like as a photographer, she was running her own business, and I didn't even think that was a that was even possible. You know, I was just painting on, I thought I was literally going to be painting helmets for the rest of my life. And um, so I think everything about about her aligned and I was just like, no, this will, 
this is kind of like somebody I want to um, spend my future with. Wow. I think that, I think a really big thing for both of us is like, you know, when you sit at someone else's family dinner table and you're like, this feels like my family. So, you know, like meeting Ben and Courtney and all Jake's family, I was like, this feels like home. And like to have that feeling, it was really special because we both value family um, is one of our highest values. So, yeah, to feel to feel at home in Jake's family was really important for me too. I could see that he came from, a, you know, a good, wholesome well, uh, yeah, bunch that, of people, yeah. That was a test, actually. I got grandma around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and grandma's cuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good I at chopping wood. <laughs> and, um, yeah, cooked dinner. And then, um, yeah, you were just getting on like a house on fire. Really, I probably just wanted to hear what they would say as well. Yeah, and they obviously loved her. So, um, yeah, I guess that was my only test. <laughs> How much does grandma like you and mum? I love grandma, so it was Aww. good. It's funny, isn't it, though? Like, what you're describing was obviously a really serious attraction between the two of you, but yet we still do these little things where we're like, let's see what everyone else thinks. Let's see yeah, how they yeah. go here and whether I can trip them up here and just yeah. these... It's kind of that uh, part of us that is so self-protective. You kind of have to get through that bit it, first. It can't be this great, can it? Right. Yeah. 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 How, how could we destroy this? Stuff? Yes. <laughs> or, or what could go wrong, that like anxious part of us yeah. always trying to protect ourselves and then when you eventually yeah. realise even, even if stuff does go wrong, it's yeah. going to be okay because actually this person's going to going to work through it with me. I'm actually going to be safer with them than without them if something goes wrong, even if it's caused by them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so how did you go from, you know, painting helmets to then painting big, amazing, beautiful murals on walls with? And sounds sounds like you, you've you've had your your stuff sorted out since you met. Um, but how was how was that progression in Jake that you saw over the last ten years and his art? Because um, he started, you Jake, you started eight, uh, art quite late in life. Yeah, I started when I was about twenty five. That, that that was literally my first painting was on a helmet on the wharf, and um, yeah, I was just I'd bring a helmet every day back from wharf. What do you think of this, and what do you think of that? <laughs> Dan, like Daniel Chick, the footy player, I'd get him to like, um, <laughs> missing finger, I'd get him to like cover it, I'd trace his finger on the helmet, like what do you think about that? <laughs> and um, yeah, I just always progress from that and then I yeah. started. Um, well, I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is I always like to say <clears throat> with people that are going to go and start their own business is it's like jumping off a cliff. Mm. It's like you, you have no idea what's going to happen but it's always really frightening. To, to kind of take that leap of faith and have a go. But Jake kind of had it hand delivered to him because he got a big payout from the wharf. They gave him redundancy and it was like a, a big payout. It was like ridiculous. And we're like, well, you've got this money. Why don't you have a go at being a full-time artist and just see where it takes you? And once that money's dried up, if you're making a living as an artist, you keep going. Or if you don't, then you go back and, and find another job. So it was like, it was an easy answer, really. And then the biggest thing that I know about Jake and I see in Jake is his passion for art. Like, there's just no one with the same passion. He is just every day, every moment of his day, 
just painting, drawing, obsessing about art. So it's just it's just natural that he was just going to keep getting better and better. I like to call him the human printer now. Just, yeah. Because he can just, just get so much art out. Yeah, it's just I uh, can't even believe like how much he's improved from those days of the wharf drawing on a hard hat. But he, you know, he's done it himself. He's never had any tuition lessons, anything. It's just a matter of him doing it day after day and loving it and being passionate about it. And yeah, I think like the only thing that I've provided is maybe just some guidance or structure. And I was lucky that I kind of had a mentor and worked in photography studios. So I had people to teach me that. So it was just a matter of kind of passing that on and applying it to art. So it was, no, nah, it, it, it just worked seamlessly really, didn't it? Yeah, you had the passion and we just kind of were able to navigate it together, bounce ideas off each other. So It's, it's a huge <laughs> shift for you, Jake. So what was it about your relationship with Ange that you felt you could go and do this? Like, Because you, you've changed your life. We spoke to Cold Ice Creamery, the crew from there the <laughs> other day, and Caitlin came home one day from hairdressing and said, I don't want to hairdress anymore, I want to do ice cream. And so, you know, Kim and I were living in Melbourne and I came home one day and said, I don't want to, you know, do my nine to five anymore. I want to go live in the ski fields of Japan. And so for, for you, Jake, what was it about Ange or your situation where you felt you could say, let's, let's do something different? Oh, it was, it, it basically, it all happened on, on the wharf, really. Basically, I, I created this position on the job where I could just get paid to paint. Like, they used to hire me in a little van and just drop helmets off every day. And um, they'd give me, like, the supervisors would put, put me as, like, a clerk position so that I wouldn't even have to get out the van. I'd just have to write down six, like, uh, like weight. Like, for example, they'd, they'd drop, like, a a big structure onto a, um, onto a platform and that had, like, a weight on it. So I'd have to say 6.5 tonne, for, for instance. Anyway, all I had to do in a 12-hour shift was write 6.5 tonne. And, uh, <laughs> but I'd have to be outside. They made it so I didn't even have to be outside. They'd radio inside and just say, write that down. So it was just just so I could paint. And um, That's how much people enjoyed the art. That was it. <laughs> and then like I had this epiphany. I was like driving over the bridge and I was like, I'm probably going to get sacked, but there's just no way I can do anything else in my life now. Like it just feels like this is what I've been... This is what I'm, I'm meant to do. And I, I just remember driving over and, like, the, the back of the car was full of all these helmets and I was like, no, nah, this is it. So it's all I want to do now. I kind of love uh, what um, Ange said about jumping off a cliff for a, a business, right? And it, hmm. for that, that part of life, I feel like holds true of a business or any dream that you sort of have, whether it's moving somewhere or whatever it looks like. I, I found, and I think Roger as well, when we've discussed it, that gets easier the more you do it. Have you yeah. guys found that as well? Yeah, yeah. And every time every time that we've done it, we've, it, it's, we've been rewarded for doing it. So now, yes. now you're more inclined to, um, to do it more often for the thrill. <laughs> and your most recent cliff jump was the decision, I'm guessing, then to travel around the state with your two little yeah. gommies, your little girls. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want yeah, to tell everybody yeah. what that's about? Yeah, so uh, I initially did the, a trip around Australia when I was younger and I just feel like I'd missed so much. Like I 
drove through a town and you wouldn't really know anything about the town and then it's gone. It's like five minutes later. And then in that town, there might be a hundred stories or something, you know, like a beautiful landscape and you would never know that until you could actually infiltrate that community. Mm. So we're kind of thinking, how can we travel around Australia, but meet the iconic characters that are in the bush and experience their events and experience their culture and the little hidden gems that you would never normally find. So we decided to follow the event trail because it's like the town puts on a show for everyone coming. It's like their one big day of the year. And then all of the people from that town will come to that event and you'll have an opportunity to to meet these people. So, yeah, we, we basically decided to try and follow an event trail um, and, and capture the people with photography, the history, um, with the art, and just try and, yeah, meet all the locals and, and hear their stories. And that's what this trip's about. We're going to try and get to as many um, iconic events as we can. But it's it's been difficult trying to line them all up. So we're just trying to get to as many as we can um, and bring the kids in tow so they get to experience it before they have to start school and we get locked down with sports and all the rest of it. What? So that's, that's the venture that we're doing at the moment. And at the same time, we're basically leaving our own trail. So we're, we're creating yes. our own mural. Well, yeah, so it's in the form of a big mural and then Angie's um, photography and the stories will kind of go all along that. It's it's such an incredible idea. As you say, there's like two massive parts to it and I'm going to talk about the trail in a minute because that's just unreal. But the first bit you said was actually a, a want from you guys to meet these people and actually it really... I guess I liken it, I've lived overseas until I learnt the language where I lived in Switzerland. You didn't really get to see the community. People weren't really themselves that you had, you know, pigeon conversations and that was fine. But once you learnt the language and they let you in, that's that's a whole other experience. Mm. What's behind that? What's the driver for you guys in the in the purpose behind that? Why do you value that so highly? It's just your experience in that place is memorable and that contact that you have, you have that for life. So once you've met these characters, you really get to hear their whole life story and just to be able to sit there with someone who's really different and listen to what they've been through in their life, it's just so grounding and it's so rewarding in in so many ways. It's and the fact that they invite you into their home and they show you their favourite scenes around the place and their favourite experiences and you start to hear some of the stories. It's like it's better than any movie you could ever watch or better than any book you could ever read because it's firsthand and it's it's just, yeah, a really special experience that we've both absolutely love. And is the stories what the you're trying to capture with the, the artwork and then obviously... Um, with the recording of the artwork with the photography? Is that what you want others yeah. to share as well? Yeah, well, I think for me, I'm, I'm drawn to, um, I don't know, I guess there's always portraits, yeah. which means that I'm fascinated with people. And I think if you, for example, the, the whole, when these towns put on a big show, so say it's like the cool and bush races, it's literally, it's kind of defining that whole identity of that region because, like, all these people came from the, oh, maybe Landor races, 100 years. Yeah. For example, with Landor races in that whole region, they didn't really have uh, any, like, uh, society, society meetup or anything like yeah. that. So um, people would just 
drive or well, walk. They used to walk back in the day. So they'd walk hundreds of kilometres to get to this oh. one event a year. Once a year and it all with started. With their horses in tow, um, their kids in tow, just carrying everything that they could possibly need for the week to get there, get back. And it was their one day a year where they could dress up and talk to other station owners and the kids could play and meet. So it was just a huge event for them. And to see how that's grown and changed over the years um, is is pretty amazing to see. Well, yeah, because like that's also where most people meet their wives as well. Yeah. So and it all started off like a bet who had the fastest horse. Yeah. So you can kind of understand that this one event probably shaped that whole region. And if you're doing like a mural of that event, you're kind of capturing the almost like the solar spirit of all the people around you or, you know, within that township. So that's to me is kind of like the ultimate payoff when you can share somebody's story, then you see this big kind of, um, I don't know, this big shift or this big kind of embrace of their identity. You know, that's what I love the most. So you're kind of capturing and sharing identity um, of the regions. And for me, that's like the ultimate kind of goal are you describing, sorry, Jake, that it like feels like when you do the artwork, you're holding a mirror up for them as well, that they recognise in themselves the identity that they've built? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what it is really. So that the closer you can get to that, the better everyone feels. And when they kind of solidify their identity, you know, that they, they become proud or prouder. Well, it's, it's really, really exciting how happy it makes people. I think that's one of the biggest rewards is, to see someone as talented as Jake painting their portrait up on the wall, it's just they come every single day and they come bearing gifts. They come like <laughs> bearing emu eggs. I leave, I leave like sometimes like plan it. Bits of fruit, hot beers. Oh, like, guys, just sometimes yeah. I rock up inside and I open the esky and someone's filled it with a six pack. Oh. Like, oh, oh. We had Frank bringing us dried apples. He was from um, every day. Where was he from? Donnybrook. Donnybrook. He was bringing dried apples naturally the- with the apples. Yeah. They literally just bring you stuff. It's just the funniest thing ever. And I'll take photos and I'll like collect like what are the best little offerings. Sometimes pizza was a good one. Sometimes <laughs> I, I left like a fruit basket out once and they filled it up full of fruit and cakes and stuff. Isn't yeah. that the beautiful um, old school way of nurturing though? You know, you yeah. would nurture someone with food or supplies yeah. and it's that's yeah. so beautiful that they value so highly what you're doing that they want yeah. to nurture you in return and say thank you. You know, yeah. it means that much to me. And it helps that I look homeless as well. Strategic. Usually a bit stinky by the end of the day. So they feel sorry for him. They give me a bar of soap. Yeah. I love that. Uh, So uh, what I will say is, guys, that you're definitely taking the road less travelled here, doing what you're doing. You haven't settled down or you're not seem to be settling down. In fact, you seem to be roaming, you know, what's You mean Matilda. white picket fence? Setting. Like white picket fence, yeah. you know, house, like, you know, where yeah. the kids are going to school, you know, your friends with the neighbours. Uh, what, what sort of challenges is that bringing? I think, yeah, Jake and I were talking about it before. You kind of lose your routine and you lose, um, yeah, you definitely lose your routine and everything's always just a mess because you're moving from one place to another. So it's really hard to like stay organised and stay on top of your life. So you kind of have to let go a little bit. Um, but in saying that, like 
the loss of schedule and, you know, like I used to love going to the gym with everyone and then you'd have coffee after. You just kind of have to find replacements. So, you know, we might exercise via like those online apps now um, and we'll go to coffee at the local coffee shop. So it's like it's about embracing change and and finding out what you like about those things and then knowing that you've got a house to come back to and you can bring all of the things that you've learnt back into your life. I find like when you're feeling stressed about whatever's happening, you know that you're learning and changing and growing. And, and I think that's the biggest drive driver for us is that we're growing and changing in such a fast way because you're out there and you're isolated and you're on, you're on your own sometimes. And there's a lot of room to think and reflect. Um, so yeah, it's chaos, absolute chaos, especially with two kids in tow. But, yeah, I think the rewards um, outweigh the challenges for sure. Do you guys find that you – because what you've described for a lot of couples would cause a lot of stress in the relationship. You're exactly right, the loss of routine and the chaos. I mean, most people day-to-day in their super routine-driven lives feel like they're in some state of chaos, especially with little kids, your kids' ages. Do you guys deliberately – like you've said very – deliberately there that you've decided to embrace this as a time of change and and think about it that way and appreciate what's coming from that harder work do you guys talk about that really openly together and do you find that if you do that that's what helps you to stay on the same page even when you've got these additional stresses coming in well yeah jake and i are big believers in the vision board um so before we left we made it very clear about what our ambitions were for this trip and what our goals were and we had like a big a2 poster with visual images of what we kind of wanted the trip to be for us um and it's it's like an evolving beast like once you've kind of written down those vision boards like 100 percent of the time we would achieve them which was just so strange because the the visions were so extreme but as soon as we had it up on the wall it was like there was no other option other than to to achieve that and so we know what the power of the vision board is we haven't written one recently and we're in a little bit of a shambles at the moment with like scheduling and everything but yeah, we just know that it will just come back to um, creating that vision board again and getting our goals aligned and just having it up there and knowing that whatever's going on is because we're heading towards that vision or that goal. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, we often debrief. So it's like, oh, I didn't know that it's going to be 43 degrees today and I'm going to be painting <laughs> and I'm at a deadline. Yeah. Um, how are we going to work it out with the kids and stuff? So there's always constant things like that. But I find, like Anne said, if you've got a vision, clear vision, you're always going to hit these roadblocks. So as long as you can adapt to the change and kind of navigate, you know, just jump through the hoops, then you're going to be all right. And I think that's the can be a downside of having structure. You know, it's like, but dinner was supposed to be now. You know, yeah. like, what are we going to do? You know, life's over. Or we're supposed to get there at eight or, you know, whatever. So if you can kind of learn to just roll with the punches, then... Um, yeah, I think that's really the only way you can do it. But you I need that vis- you need that vision to be vision, able to roll yeah. with the punches, right? And it's so funny because yeah. there might be a uh, a bit of a misconception out there that I guess artists are a bit airy fairy and this, but most <laughs> businesses struck struggle 
to come up with a clear vision mm-hmm. of the future and work towards it. And they get so bogged down in the bureaucracy, in the process and and making improvements to things where they might when they might not even be heading in the right direction. I think yeah. that's the the beautiful thing you just described structure versus purpose. And if you a lot of like Roger's saying, people get caught so heavily on making sure that they've got a great organizer that they've bought at the start of the year and that there's going to be structure around everything. And when they hit the road bumps, which are absolutely, as you say, inevitable, like it's just impossible to imagine life without them. They come all the time. If you know where you're heading in the distance, you just pivot. Like you said, Andrew, you just pivot and change and move around or over or under whatever you have to do. But if you're structure focused and not distance focused, when the road bumps hit, your structure's gone and you've got nothing else to refer to. So it's, I mean, you guys are literally preaching what we try to teach here. So the vision, oh. yeah, it's, it's amazing to hear you sharing it. The, the funny thing is, is we look, our life looks a little bit like one of Jake's art piece. There's no, no one's learned how to do it. It's, it's a big mess. There's shit going everywhere. <laughs> but in the end, it's a masterpiece. So <laughs> I love that. The fact that you can say that is such a beautiful thing. And I couldn't, I, I think Roger and I feel the same way about our own lives. Yeah. Very, very proud to say that we we do think it's a bit of a masterpiece. Fortunately, both of us are crap at art, so don't have the exact <laughs> same analogy. But we've got AI for that now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please draw a stick figure for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still too advanced. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's an amazing thing when you know that you're in heading in a in the vision and the belief that you have in that, and the fact that you say as well something we've been talking about. When you 100% believe in that vision, it, it will come true. And I think people talk a lot about manifesting in the life coaching space in, in, a, in a way that isn't actually true. They talk about manifesting as if things magically happen when you think about them. There is magic to it, but it takes a lot of hard work. And the reality is if you focus on the vision, it becomes part of, you know, talking about your identity. Visions can become part of your identity. And so you live into making that vision come true because that's who you already see yourself as, the, the ultimate vision. Well, I'm we're the couple that travelled around the state and captured all of this history and met these incredible people. There's no other option. That's that's who I am. Yeah, we do so hard things. So that's what I do. Like, yeah. As you were saying before, Ange, like we set challenges and or we do difficult things and things seem to go our way. That's not coincidence. It's because you know yeah. you've got that belief that if you go out there and put yourself out there, good things will happen. And the proof doesn't come from luck. The proof comes from actually a history of doing, you know, brave things and them having come good for you. And when the bad things happen, it's like, well, that's just a bump in the road. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And we're, we're lucky that Australia is a big circle. So once we get halfway <laughs> around, we know that there's no pulling out because we've got to continue the rest of the lap. So you doing so, the full country, not the state? For some reason in my head I had the state. Yeah, so we've done the state and we feel like we've missed a lot in the state anyway, but, yeah, we're going to try and continue across to the other side now. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like a – well, I mean, the way I describe it is we're capturing Australian history and culture and that's everywhere. And I don't think same deal with the structure. We don't have to shoot ourselves in the foot because we're not doing a perfect – lab you know yeah and i think and i want this this um leaving work on the road I, I pretty much want it to go forever you know as as an option we can always have a studio here or there but i always just want to be going you know so i don't think there's like a a real deadline in sight 
and we'll probably be <laughs> probably be like a bad magna doodle drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like close your eyes and throw like a pin into the map. That's where we're going next. So actually, this project is going to be potentially part of your life ongoing. Yeah, yeah I definitely think that you know we're always going to be traveling because we, you know, we're both portrait artists, portrait photographer, um, portrait artists. So yeah, it's like you've got to leave WA to find those characters. I, I don't think that will ever end. But, yeah, it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what happens with schooling and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah ever-changing beast. On well. that point, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a bit more about your two girls and what it's like living on the road. Uh, how are they handling it? How have you explained it to them? And... What are the sort of values you're hoping they pick up on this journey with you? Yeah, so um, the the girls basically were well-travelled. I think, um, yeah, it's a funny story. We actually did the Gibb River Road while I was 36 <laughs> weeks pregnant. So <laughs> that is so yeah. – we've done that as, as a kid. I did that um, with my brother having diarrhoea and uh, vomiting for a while. So the bumps, I know they're not friendly to a person yeah. who's a bit vulnerable. <laughs> We had to buy a wheelchair cushion and I sat on the wheelchair cushion as we were bobbing up and down. Um, So, yeah, like it was really weird. I had Sadie and like as a baby I used to go and do weddings down south and she would literally sleep from Perth to Denmark like the entire way. It was like as soon as we put her in the car she'd fall asleep. It was just so weird. We trained her early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we, we, we put that down to the Gib River Road, I think. <laughs> she knew but the motion. Yeah. 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 So um, they both were in the car from a very early age. So they're really, really good with um, travel. Um, it was a bit of a transition getting them into the caravan, but they've got their own little bunk beds. So they, they really loved that. And they loved the fact that mum and dad were kind of like in the same room. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> even when people offered for us to stay in the house, we're like, no, 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 we're happy in the caravan. Everything's in one place. They love it more. Yeah. Like Sadie, they love their own little bed because to me it's like having your own little cubby house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And it's sweet because it zips up so we can just go, bye-bye. Yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> and That's Jenna so cute. Loves, Jenna loves it because she can run outside of the caravan and go and find all the candy from all the old people. Yeah. So she goes from caravan to caravan <laughs> shaking <laughs> for sugar shakes people upside down all right yeah yeah and they would all have a good lolly canister like there's oh, no one totally. in that generation that doesn't have some sort of canister yeah. for lollies and there's no asking the parents whether they can have it or not they're just like <laughs> we want to make friends with these kids and so yeah they've, they've absolutely loved the freedom um sadie has just come alive since we've been on this trip she was a bit of a nervous little bub um, to begin with. Well, growing up with during COVID and also she was in the neonates ward. When she was a baby, yeah. And then, yeah, just growing up with, like, masks, everyone wearing masks, that was, I think, the difference with Sienna. So yeah. she was always timid, but... Yeah, being a bit, like... And she, her immune system was really bad before we left. She'd always be sick. So, um, yeah, to see her progress from where before we left to, to now has been one of the most rewarding um, things as a parent because she's just loves to meet new people now. She's confident climbing up trees, out in the dirt, just having having an absolute ball, which is really cool. 
Um, and Sienna's just Sienna's always been a bit of a bush kid, so it wasn't it wasn't too much of a, a transition for her. But yeah, the, the kids have just um, loved it, taken it in their stride. They're still so young and impressionable, so yeah, they haven't had an issue with it at all, which has been easy for us. What do you reckon uh, is is the best thing kids take out of the bush? A better immune system. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I shouldn't laugh. We have no immunity in our kid and it is a real thing. Like it's just it's just crappy when they don't have a good well, it's immune system. exposure to the world, oh, exposure yeah. of the immune system, exposure to community. As you said, yeah, if your little yeah. one was growing up with people in masks all the time and then she, oh. she goes from town to town and sees mm. people just coming up embracing daddy, embracing mummy and so quickly in such a short time there's so much love and compassion yeah. there what a good life lesson for her and you that's yeah. maybe why you see that growth yeah it's really weird i kind of relate it to like training an animal if that sounds really weird i i understand but it's like where you grew up around horses and the best horse that you would ever get is the horse that has gone to the racetrack and then it's like it's gone and done you know cross-country eventing and it's gone in the rivers and now it's mustering cattle. And, and if you ever got the, the tail end of this horse's life, like that would be the best horse you could ever own because it doesn't get scared of anything. It's confident. It's, it's resilient. Like the more that you can expose your kids to, I believe, like the, the more capable they are to be able to handle any situation that's thrown at them later. Oh, I love that. I think that's so true. It's such a beautiful thing to give your kids that exposure and build their trust in humanity and just their general trust in the world. You know, we live in such an anxious space. Being an anxious person, I find the idea of a child feeling safe with strangers, feeling safe to explore new people and new places, such such an incredible idea. And I, I think that for all children, having that opportunity to go out in the bush would be absolutely amazing. You know, we saw a lot of change in COVID, people embracing travelling more around yeah. our own country. Unfortunately, yeah. I feel like that's flipped back again. People, as soon as COVID lifted, they were like, right, where's the plane? How do we get yeah, overseas? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, but you, you just spent a fortune on caravans, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> We're hoping to cash in on that, actually. We're like, yeah, after COVID, everyone's going to be selling their caravans and we're going to get a caravan. <laughs> so and it didn't really happen. We're still, yeah. Oh, I think people are selling them now. Yeah. We're a bit, we're, we're a bit early. A little yeah. bit, yeah, yeah. 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 You just needed the, that's the other thing. You didn't factor in people's disorganisation, right? I want to yeah, sell it, but that's not going to happen today. It'll probably happen 12 yeah. months from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So... This is obviously an epic journey, as you guys have described, maybe one that's a, a lifelong in and out. I love what you said about it not having to have some particular rule around it. I think that's such a, an awesome lesson in life to understand that the journey can look a million different ways. And once you take away those, they're really self-imposed, they're made up ideas of how something should be, you just get about doing what you want to do and just following mm. and chasing down that vision. I know this is a big one you're still working on, is there anything else that's big that's in your minds at the moment that you've been talking about that's a big vision for you guys in the future? We did have one crazy idea, but we're not quite sure about it just yet. We wanted to live in Italy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you speak Italian, don't you, Jake? Ben speaks. Yeah, Jake, yeah. Jake speaks fluent Italian. He grew up in Italy. Yeah, it's a pretty far away idea and we probably need, like, you know, a lot of content and savings to be able to... Um, paint an exhibition but it'd be good to just 
yeah, hold up in some kind of villa somewhere in the middle of the country in Italy and, and paint an exhibition and bring it back to Australia. Oh. It'd be pretty cool. It's Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of, well, it's the same sort of thing. Like if we're capturing identities and cultures and stuff in Australia, we can keep yeah, we've got to pull it off here first, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so sort of mimic that over there and capture the... Yeah, yeah, you know, carry on the that whole thing of the historical murals and capturing the identities and stuff and sharing those stories. We could apply that anywhere, really. Or an- another way of doing it is Jake could just pa- uh, paint some original art pieces and then... Which um, I never have time for, so... yeah. So it might be good. Unless I'll be locked up. Yeah, we won't know anyone in Italy, so. Oh, I think it's so amazing. Italy is is such such an incredible country. It's one of those places that just feeds all of your senses. My sister's Italian-in-law. She's from Rome. My sister-in-law is Italian from Rome and also an artist, um, Francesca. And uh, and we went obviously over for the wedding, been a few times. It just is like... This is a joy for your soul to be in Italy and it does have so much history in it. I was actually watching a doco the other day that was saying that, uh, you know, people talk about the Okinawan centenarians, so this um, dense population of people over 100 years old. There's actually also a town in Italy with the same densely populated group of centenarians. So just these. And it's it's massive to think that these humans have more than 100 years of history living in them. I can imagine that that would be an epic place to do a project like that. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, it would be awesome for the kids to be able to go there and learn another language. And Well, Siena was named after the town. Yeah. There. yeah. Oh, how oh, gorgeous. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think, again, yeah. that's one of those things where you've got this beautiful vision of the future for, uh, for Rolling Stills and the Rolling Stills art series, and then you're like, well, why, why just... Um, keep this to Australia. We can go anywhere in the world, and you're not thinking they're too confined. Of, oh, but we can't change the girls' schools, or we can't do this and the other, um, because you know that no matter where you go, with two loving parents, with people who are very passionate about what they do and are embracing community. I mean, what a better way for kids to grow up. Yeah, we would like to come back as our kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amen, <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, they've got it no. so good like sympathetic parents lots of like you know all of that sort of positive stuff that we were grommets you were just sent out and wished good luck on a good day <laughs> yeah exactly yeah definitely no they've had it pretty good so far yeah touch wood yeah exactly oh that's absolutely amazing chatting to you guys i i think today for me hearing about your vision board especially and how that keeps you on track that's really stood out for me because you guys are as you said fulfilling some pretty intense epic dreams and I think for our listeners hearing that that's a key part of your process for managing to agree together and then stay on track despite all the things that throw you off in different directions is is really amazing and obviously you know underneath all of that the very clear purpose that you guys have around the way you live your lives and the people that you that you are, the identity you have yourselves and, and what you value in life, it's, it's just been a really lovely chat around how clear you guys are about who you are, what you want in life and how you're going to go about that together. So I really, really appreciate your honesty today and your openness with us. 
Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been awesome chatting to you. Yeah, well, thank yeah, really appreciate it. We'll um we'll be back in Perth in December. We should catch up. Oh, we'd 100%. love that. We'd love that. Yeah, yeah love for that. sure. Let's get let's get together and uh have a beer. Love it. If anyone knows how to get visas for Italy, can you post it below? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We've also been recently talking about a bit of a big dream of um because yeah. we were living in Japan when our daughter was diagnosed autistic and I just never flew back yeah. to start uh, supporting her. Yeah, we lived in a, a little house in the bottom of uh, a beautiful hill uh, in a ski field. So we'd get up and oh. walk the ski field every day and walk the snow. And Similar sort of thing. Like and, we yeah. had a dream for our kid to be raised because of yelling up. I wanted a small community where everyone knew each other and everyone was outdoors focused. That was really at the core. I always knew I wanted our kids to have that. Um, but obviously life throws you something else. So we redreamed. But yeah, we just the other day said to Roggy, maybe for high school we could go live in Canada and get back to that snow dream. And uh, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, they've yeah. got a massive outdoors lifestyle there. So um, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, big vision. Yeah, can I do it? Yeah, yeah, not exactly. Not. <laughs> why not? Like that's <laughs> yeah, how much of it is be. now. It's like, well, why can't we do yeah. that? And I think people who would see you on your socials, they so just go, oh, I wish we could do that. Oh, but we're not artists. It's like, who, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, Kim and I aren't artists and we moved to Japan. Kim and I aren't, like, journalist presenters and we're doing a podcast on relationships. You know, if you've yeah. got a dream, if you feel like there's something you can do, just just get, get after, after it, it, right? Yeah. Oh, that's it. And I think people really do discover themselves when they do take that leap of faith because now you kind of, you are in your own. Well, you might be with... A family but it's it's kind of all on you you know you're testing yourself and your character and then you realize yeah i can do this oh, so i, I think that. yes i think that is such a good point you discover who you are and what you're made of when you really put yourself out there otherwise you're just living in the same you you've always been how can you grow yeah. if you don't change anything it's just not possible you're amazing you've just spent quality time on your relationship Feel like you're on a roll? If you want more Living the Team Life relationship insights and conversations, head over to kimandrodge.com where you can find all the show notes as well as tons of other relationship goodies. And if you liked today's episode, please hit subscribe or let another couple know where they can find us. It'll make them happy and it'll make us really happy. Until next time, keep on living the team life.